Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Evening to and uh, well, welcome to Alex McCarthy's Wrestling Daily. Here we are on Thursdays, and you know what that means. It seems I'm being flanked by Steph Chase, the hot take queen herself, fresh off the Wednesday Night Wars. Steph, I know you've just told me you had an, an eventful night. <laughs> how are you? I'm very good, thank you, Alex. A little bit tired, but I'm very good. So, thank you so much for joining us, guys. You know, back again for the post. Wednesday Night Wars episode and we know that we love having your ultra chats and especially when Steph is on. Steph being a box office ultra chat draw that she is, get them into wrestletalk.com forward slash wrestle2 and you guys can have your stuff read out on this show and Steph will debate and talk about whatever you want to talk about and I can see we've already got some in the chamber so guys make sure you get them in, we've got a lot to get through on this episode uh i will say while we're here of course we are at the home of wrestle 2 on youtube please do subscribe on youtube to wrestle 2 do like and follow them on twitter and get those notifications turned on so you know when these live streams start there's nothing better than that uh but first things first steph let's mm-hmm. get it out of the way with the title of the uh, episode today there was some good news for cody rhodes and brandy rhodes Yes, congratulations to Cody and Brandy. They're expecting a baby. Oh, and what a really cute way to announce it on Dynamite like they did with that little video with their lovely little puppies as well. It was super cute. Yeah, they um the polar opposite reveal to what how John Moxley did it. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I wonder did they plan the reveal before Moxley surprise revealed his or mm. Yeah, I wonder how that came about. But yeah, I thought it was really cute. And I'm really happy for them. Like the the first couple of AEW having a baby, that's wonderful. I mean, um, lockdown has just made everyone busy in 2020. <laughs> that's, that's what I've taken from this. Everyone's like, right, let's just pop out a kid then. Yeah, I guess so. I guess so. (laughs) There's been quite a few wrestling babies and wrestling baby announcements this year, for sure. Yeah, who would have thunk it? Uh, Lockdown was the the, the aphrodisiac uh, of 2020. Uh, So, yeah, it was great news for for Cody and Brandy. Like like I said on Twitter yesterday, um, what a couple of years they've had. You know what I mean? Like, you, you look back five years ago, Cody is, like, languishing. In WWE, like which was criminal at the time, 
Um, I, I don't think that's even something you retrospectively say. At the time, there was loads of us kind of going, how are they not doing more with Cody Rhodes? You know, he was doing that terrible Stardust gimmick. Brandy Rhodes was a ring announcer in WWE. Um, they're, you know, now look at them. They're power players in the number two promotion in the world in AEW. Uh, and they're about to open up another addition to their family as well. I say another addition because Pharaoh, of course, <laughs> yeah. would, would be their firstborn, I assume. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's great to see them succeed like that, Steph. Yeah, it's really lovely. They've done so well. Um, what a nice way to end the year for them. Yeah, absolutely. Now let's get into AEW. Uh, well, let me see if we've got some ultra chats that can lead us into some AEW news because we do have a couple. Uh, first, as usual... It's Mr. Bang Brains himself, Matthew McCoskey. Uh, and he says, what time to be a wrestling fan? First of all, COVID babies is a thing now. But just uh, all the upcoming matches. TLC this weekend, hard to kill. Omega versus Swan. Um, yeah, I mean, man, there's going to be a lot of... <laughs> of course he said it. There's going to be a lot of banging brains in the coming months. Uh, of course, he was talking about with the uh, Young Bucks... Sorry, the Good Brothers mm -hmm. getting involved in that equation as well. Um, man, it's going to be good. I I spoke about this with SP3, of course, yesterday, but it's now that Steph's on the show, I feel I'd be remiss if we mm -hmm. didn't get into this. What do you make of the first steps into the AEW Impact crossover? Because this is the first kind of match that we're getting, and it's exciting as hell. Yeah, it's a really exciting one. I think it's pretty cool that they're doing this rather than going into some kind of straight, um, you know, singles match with Kenny and, and Rich that they seem to have been teasing. Or, um, yeah, so teaming Kenny back with the Good Brothers is very, you know, newsworthy. He even said the words Bullet Club when he was on Impact. So, yeah, they have, you know, they have a history and they have the fan intrigue. And then going up against Rich Swan and Motor City Machine Guns, like that, that's going to be such a great match. And this is a very good first match for Kenny. And I think it's going to do a lot for, for Impact Show in January. Yeah, I still have to imagine that the Young Bucks and Motor City Machine Guns is something that they want to happen down the line. I wonder if this will kind of open the doors because, you know, only a month after we've got AEW Revolution, right? So, yeah. Before think, you know it, it leads in nicely. Yeah, and I think that, you know, there's so many dream matches that we could all come up with involving people that aren't Kenny, such as the Young Bucks. But um, this is just that little opening of the door that we don't know how this is going to spill out in 2021 to lead to other people making the crossover that Kenny has. So, yeah, it's, it's very nice. And things are very exciting. I mean, whatever you might think about Impact and AEW coming together. Most people now see it as positive, which is good, but it's exciting. It's the most exciting thing happening in wrestling. It's the most exciting thing that's happened in a very long time. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, I have to say, SB3, uh, co-host of the show, is in the house. He says, hey, everyone, hope you all have a great Thursday. Make sure to check out chatting with him. I bring that up because I received a gift today that I believe has come from sp3 as soon as i opened it up i knew it was from him um i won't reveal what it is yet i in fact i will wear it the next time sp3 and i are on screen what so i know what a tease i was like, i'm a pro at this stuff um but you know sp3 yours is on the way uh so let's keep going with the aew train of thought matthew mccoskey thank you very much for opening up the show with that ultra chat mike jensen 
is next in line. And he says, I find it refreshing that Tony Khan is listening to criticism. Hmm. Uh, he heard from the fans the issues with the women's division. And while not perfect, he's working on fixing it. Meanwhile, Keith Lee is being buried. Now, one of my bugbears is the way the word buried is used uh, in wrestling in general. Um, he's not being helped, but buried, hmm, that might be a bit too strong. Uh, I feel like... In terms of Tony Khan, I've said this to Steph on this very show. I'm a huge fan of his whole approach to wrestling. It's very fresh to me. He's very open-minded. Um, he he's he feels like one of us with just a lot of money and a lot of talent. Do you know what I mean? Like he knows the kind of stuff that we want to see. Whereas Vince McMahon is maybe of the other opinion where he thinks he programs you to want what what you want. Do you know what I mean? He thinks that he, he feeds you what you want rather than Tony Khan, who actually is more in tune with today's fan base. Um, so yeah, I love what Tony Khan's doing. The women's division and Steph, I'm sure you have some thoughts. I feel like they are, you know, they always say, you know, walk before you can run and stuff like that. And I feel like they're just kind of taking some baby steps in the right direction. Yeah, I think that they are with the women's division, um, especially with Brit coming back and I, I very much liked the little bit we saw of her on Dynamite last night in Thunder Rosa but as far as Tony Khan like he is the the fan that's doing things right and that's listening uh, to the fans and as a little tease I spoke to the Young Bucks today and they Ooh. talked a lot about um, what it was like to work for Tony Khan and how he is such a big fan they said that they don't know anyone that's as big a wrestling fan as Tony Khan or who knows more and just what how great it is to have that relationship with him. And, you know, when you look at WWE, they're definitely not listening <laughs> to their fans at all. And um, I was reminded today about that time when we had all the McMahons come out in law and tell us that they were going to... Two-year anniversary yeah, of that. Yeah, two-year anniversary that they were going to listen to us. And... Now, two years on, Law has fallen off the biggest cliff ever, and people are switching off the jobs. So, mm. I don't know at what point they listen to us, but no. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly right. It's uh, we had the whole thing where McMahon's, Joe Triple H, they're all in there and they're saying they're going to give the fans what they want, they're going to start listening to us. And what really changed? All they've done is try and do these paper cracked you know, raw undergrounds and yeah. two out of three falls and raw dark and all of this other rubbish. It's just, they haven't actually gone back and addressed what the problem of the show is. They just keep going, well, maybe if we think of something that catches fire, that will mm -hmm. solve all of our problems. It's, it's all band-aids and short-term fixes. And, you know, you have to look at the people in charge. Obviously, Vince is at the head of that. And then you have Bruce Pritchard under him. And I don't think anything is going to get better with this this combo of, of these two guys where Vince is just, you know, saying something and Bruce is saying yes to whatever it is. And uh, like last week I spoke to Eric Bischoff and one thing that I asked him about when he was executive director of SmackDown, if he believes that the job was missold to him. And while he thought that it might be unfair to say missold because it was a new position, he was definitely expecting more autonomy than he ever got mm -hmm. and he was definitely told like would well, this is a new way of doing things but it ended up just being new people being made to do things the old way and then of course 
him and Paul Heyman both end up getting replaced by yes man Bruce Pritchard. So neither of them lasted a year, which yeah. is staggering. Um, mm -hmm. I've spoke to Eric Bischoff before as well, and he was telling me. So I was like pressuring him, kind of saying, "So what? What was the creative? Do you know what I mean? Like, how did it work when you were on SmackDown?" He was like, "I had no say." He goes, "All I was was the bridge between the creative team." They then give it to Eric Bischoff. He goes, hmm. then he has to take it to Vince, which mm -hmm. then, then again, so all he really was, was a, a messenger. You know, he's meant to be running the show. Yeah. But in actual fact, he's more like figuring out where, you know, what dates they can hit, what arenas and, you know, travel things. And like all of the admin stuff that you probably don't think about, but falls under their remit as well. Uh, and in, in, as you say, very telling that Bruce Pritchard is the man that has returned to that spot. Um, just having a look at that. Did I miss anything from this? What do you think, uh, Steph, Keith Lee being buried? Um, yeah, buried is a strong word. Completely misused and misunderstood and mistreated, yes. Mm, I do think, you know, I've, I've heard from people inside WWE that it's like, that they think that his cardio isn't, like, great in the ring. And, you know, that, I know Monday... It's not, it's not fair to say he missed the spots because Miz was whatever he was doing on the outside with that particular one of Morrison. Like, there's it's not you can't just all say it's Keith Lee and he was doing fine in NXT, so he's not he hasn't become bad or whatever overnight. I just I feel like his confidence has maybe taken a knock though. Yeah, um, it's not surprising, but no. Keith Lee, as Keith Lee can get over working as Keith Lee, but I don't he think he was what they want him to do, uh, you know, up on the main roster so. It's just a, you know, we've heard this story many times. Just the memes keep changing. Yeah. Well, yeah. Insert Vince McMahon. Anyway, I, um, well, I did want to ask you as well. Did you see the tweet that Medusa, a.k.a. Alundra Blaze, sent to Britt Baker? No. Okay. So Britt Baker obviously had a tweet saying, um, it, totally in character, right? Talking about how she's basically like the Michael Jordan of the, um, the women's division, and I think she was moaning about how she hadn't had a figure in mm -hmm. AEW yet. So let me actually yes. find. I this. saw her talking about that. I did not see Medusa reply. Yes. Um, so, so obviously, here, here is the actual tweet. Britt Baker says, "Imagine being the face of a division, the first woman signed, a role model, Michael Jordan, the baddest bitch on the block, a dentist, and still." not have an action figure. Uh, of course, that is Britt Baker in total character there. Uh, mm -hmm. Medusa says, well, let's see. I believe you just learned how to tie your boots and got handed your position. It is almost 2021, and women's wrestling is fast-tracking. I'm sure you will have one soon. However, it took me 20-plus years before I received mine. Some people just earn respect differently. And that caused the likes of Renee Young, or Paquette, and Paige to to reply puzzling tweets. Um, not sure why they, you know, confused as to why Medusa was almost coming for Britt Baker and not kind of supporting and empowering her. So I feel it's a, it was a strange take for my liking. Yeah, it's a, it's a very uh, strange take. I mean, uh, being, you know, a women's wrestler at the time that Medusa was, was extremely tough. And it's still pretty tough now. And it is still tough. And, you have social media and everything now, but Brit, you know, listing her 
accomplishments and everything. Like she was doing an in-character tweet of why she doesn't have a figure. Other women have a figure. Brandy has a figure. Uh, Hikaru Shida has a figure, or at least is getting a figure. Um, so I think Medusa, yeah, just kind of maybe took it the wrong way and, and wanted, wanted to get something in. But, but also, I mean, also, like, just why would <laughs> can't help you can't like be bitter to someone else and like in the modern day success because it took you a long time like if anything you should kind of celebrate you know how the you know, how, how much things have moved forward i guess you know don't yeah. don't, don't hold on to that bitterness yeah like that. and she can um big up herself for paving the way for people like Britt baker without having a go yeah. at Britt baker. Which, yeah. which she absolutely did for a lot of women so Come on now. Uh, CM Chris is here as well, uh, ready to talk AEW. And he says, good evening, Alex and Steph. Hey, CM Chris. Hey. Uh, what a tag team appreciation night it was on Dynamite. The good, the bad, and the hungry has to be the real uh, tag name now. And Tony Schiavone is a legend. Hashtag EGE, Elite Good Eggs. Hashtag much love. Yes, to you as well, CM Chris, to you as well. Um, first of all, Tony Schiavone, as Jericho would say, is has been fantastic for me lately, particularly yeah. in the skits with Tony Khan. Um, I think he's so he really is. I think it's an unsung hero there. Tony Khan is alarmingly natural at those as well. Yeah, they both have super sassy delivery. I so want to lend them my fan for the next <laughs> time that they throw some shit at Impact's way. Woo, Tony's. Ooh. <laughs> but, yeah, Tony Schiavone is missing. I thought he was um great at in Dynamite when uh, Don Callis tried to join the commentary booth and and he didn't like that. And he's still so excited every time uh, Sting comes out. But I was yeah. talking to my friend about this last night when we were watching Dynamite about just how um passionate Tony seems about the product and how much he seems to love it. And he is a guy from another generation that has decided instead of saying like this isn't my wrestling or the wrestling that I know. He's like, whoa, this is what young people are doing. And it's great. Like, I love it. And I'm happy to be here. And, and it's just really, uh, his enthusiasm is infectious. Mm. And you talk about tag team wrestling. Of course, there was a fair amount going on last night. SCU and the acclaimed. Uh, we had obviously the main event, which had a million people in it with the inner circle. And um, we'll get to later. Um, but I, I actually really like the opener from Hangman Page and the Dark Order, like kind of continuing that interesting little story. And I love John Silver anyway. And then Private Party and Matt Hardy. The finish there was really interesting, Steph, because it obviously did a lot for Hardy kind of being there. He's meant to be the mentor, but Private Party did the hard work and then he kind of tagged in and took the glory. Um, I, I just felt like it really delivered and, you know, people were like, does Hangman Page need to be losing? But it wasn't really him taking the loss. I felt like things got further along. I liked it. Good action. Yeah, I first have to talk about uh, the Keep the Pan and the Hangry Hangman. When they came out, I saw so many people tweeting, oh my God, they have cowboy hats. And I was thinking, guys, did you not watch Being the Elite this week? <laughs> One of the best um, Being the Elites of all time were John Silver and Alex Reynolds uh, continuing their attempt to recruit Hangman had Cowboy Day in honor of Hangman where they all put on cowboy hats and the whole Dark Order had like a cowboy party. Um, 
where even a 10 was a horse that you could ride. And they had like this great little mock Western shootout and they all had so much fun that in the end they forgot to actually ask Hangman to join the Dark Order. <laughs> <laughs> they still had their cowboy hats uh, for Dynamite and this was so great. I, I'm loving Hangman's involvement in the Dark Order. I think it's great for everyone involved. Um, really good match. But yeah, Alex Reynolds took the pin but Matt Hardy was the, was the one that got the three. And I see what Matt is doing with Private Party. We'll see like how it goes because he's certainly not had the best track record with um, storylines in AEW so far. But I think this kind of character he's doing is probably his best shot at something that, that catches on. Mm. And, and obviously it's worth saying a fair amount of that is out of Matt Hardy's control. Like, you know, there's been a lot of stuff that's just gone wrong for him since yeah. he went to AEW, um, yeah. but still. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. Uh, anyway, let's move along with AEW and get some more reviews of what happened there. Steph, we had Cody Rhodes and Han Helico, which, you know, delivered a, great, a really good match, in my opinion. Um, you know, what What are the stars of the show for you? Because we had Eddie Kingston talking, which is always a great thing. Um, S. Dustin Rhodes had an interview there as well with Dasher. And the acclaimed certainly got a nice big rub. Uh, you know, what, what were your what were your favorite moments of uh, AEW if you had to break them down for us? Well, firstly, I would say after um, Cody's match, we saw Team Taz come out. And then we saw Sting and his snow come out. And, he, <laughs> and his snow. And his snow. And um, he didn't say anything. He just pointed his uh, bat in the direction of Team Taz. But it was interesting because um, Will Hobbs, uh, Powerhouse Hobbs especially, was kind of 
being held back by the rest of Team Taz. So I thought that was pretty cool because it wasn't just one of those moments where, you know, uh, a guy stares at you and everyone just like backs off because he's wearing paint or something. Like Hobbs was ready to go at him and the other guy's mm. like, no, no. Um, and then you, you just saw him look at Darby. He was in the stands. So it's another like, interesting tease of what's going on between them. Like who who is Sting to Darby? Is he like a little... Mm guardian angel or something that's <laughs> watching over him um i'm not sure but that was uh very interesting um yeah the acclaimed did get a good showing and then we will be seeing them against the young bucks next week so that's and, good. and the acclaimed were spitting some bars as usual yeah <laughs> and frankie casarian spat some bars as well <laughs> he threw down I don't think that's what you would even say these days, but he did. Um, I think it's fun, though. The Acclaimed have had a great introduction to AEW, for my liking. Yeah, they have. Um, they, yeah, the rapping is is interesting. It's John Cena uh, reminiscent, but yeah. you know, it makes them stand out, and uh, it's enjoyable. The, the segment I mentioned before with uh, Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa, I really enjoyed. Basically, Britt poured some water on her face to wash off her face paint. Yeah. And I just, that just popped me. I thought that was like, wow, that's that's a pretty good heel move. So much you have this sting. I actually, did, yeah, yeah, they really should. I, I actually didn't realise as well, and maybe this is my my fault, because for not having seen enough of her outside of in-ring action, Thunder Rosa cut a good promo. Yeah, she did. She did. Really did. Mm-hmm. She said that will be good when her and when her and Britt with when this feud develops to see them go toe to toe in the mic because they can both really handle themselves. Mm. So um, I'll touch on a couple of points here. And Helico and Cody Rhodes, what did you make of that? Yeah, it's a pretty good match. Um, pretty good outing for Angelico. Nothing like too blow away. And I think it was a match that was um, sandwiched between two talking points: Cody and Brandy announcing their pregnancy. And Sting pointing his back. So it kind of just got lost a little bit in that, but it was a good match. Uh, Matthew McCloskey, for some reason, says, everyone in the chat, if Alex sees this, can you all be honest if my catchphrase is getting annoying? Ha-ha, I'll stop if you want. Of course, this is the man who says, bang brains. Um, I'll let everyone have their say of that in the chat. For uh, for my money, uh, Matthew, um, you've come up with your own catchphrase. You know, that's more than... (laughs) than most people can say. So do you, man. Do you. Um, Sticking with uh, AEW, let's talk Inner Circle, right? I see the backstage promo where MJF really smartly kind of points out all of the obvious things where people are, they all say, you're washed up, Chris, and then I'm going to double cross, all of that great stuff. And then Jericho's like, "Ah." Um, Jericho's actions within that promo were really telling because he actually didn't do much, which is very unusual for Jericho. He was very reserved and kind of like, hmm, and like you could tell he's more drinking in what's happening rather than reacting. Um, So I thought that was very good. And then, yeah, lead us into what you thought of that promo and the eventual match. Yeah, that was interesting. Jericho, he did just stand there like, it's like he knows that MJF's kind of on his last chance as far as Sammy goes, Mm. but he doesn't want to be the one to to like start the argument that leads to MJF being removed. You know, he wants to like keep his group together, so he's kind of biting his tongue a bit. But 
it will probably get too much from pretty soon. Um, as far as the match goes, I thought this was one of the best worked like multi-man matches that I'd seen in a while because usually these things can be a bit of a wild cluster and I thought it was really good, especially it opened with Jericho and Brian Pillman Jr., Mm. which I thought was a really interesting pairing. I was just watching this going, well, you know that Jericho asked to work with Brian Pillman Jr. Like, it was just so cool to to see them work together. And that got, like, quite a bit of time. It wasn't as fast times, especially in the early stages, um, that I would have thought. Uh, obviously, we're missing Wardlow and Brandon Cutler. But, like, all in all, it was it was really good. There, there was some um, great guys in there, great spots. It got a bit... Um, out of hand at the end and then MJF who did nothing got the pinfall after Jake Hager used Wardlow's move so I don't know if Jake Hager is trying to uh, maybe not impress MJF but make MJF think better of him than Wardlow to kind of continue their feud without the staring mm. um, what do we make of Eddie Kingston and the direction there because Death Triangle um seems to have been in his crosshairs yeah um that yeah that was interesting um it was interesting to see um archer come out um as well and kind of align himself there but mm. eddie caught a really he cut a really good promo where he called out his enemies and the first one was was god i'm not even talking about the new japan tag team so <laughs> <laughs> that was that was a moment of did he just call out God as one of his enemies? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. WWE 2007-ish. Uh, <laughs> Vince McMahon style. Um, it's interesting, though. Like, like you said, the Archer and Pack dynamic. Um, mm -hmm. Who's going to get Kingston first kind of deal? Do you think Pack and Archer are destined to face off? And if so, I have every belief that Archer can work a great match with a much smaller man as agile and as amazing as Packers. Yeah, I think he'd be a good um, opponent for Pack to kind of show the great things that, that Pack can do. So, yeah, I think it would be nice to see Archer get a proper direction because he never really seems to have one. Mm. Um, he always seems to be kind of like the odd man out or slotted in something or, you know, he just, I don't think he's really found his true direction in, in AEW yet, but mm. this could be, this could be what he needs. Yeah. I mean, there was obviously a lot of speculation. People were like, oh, it's Pac, like gone back home and, or, you know, cause they hadn't seen yeah. him or whatever. Um, so it was very oh, cool. That, <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was very cool that he came out and, you know, the kind of the, I want to say pop, but obviously. Yeah relative pop in this era um but he got his um big moment at the end yeah at the end do, you, of the do you think um and this is an interesting topic baby face or heel pack you know he's so like cool and sinister in those promo videos that you say heel mm. but then when he cut that promo to kenny and don at the end of dynamite like this guy is a he's a really good promo and that could be babyface as well. So I think he can do either, but either he's going to do either of them with a kind of a cool um, edge to it of not really caring what you think of him. Yeah, absolutely. And as we mentioned earlier, the Acclaimed got a great rub by beating SCU. And now 
They're going to be facing the Young Bucks next week. That you know, the tag division just keeps growing on mm-hmm. AEW. And in the main event, well, actually, before I skip over that, we did have the women. Um, you know, since we're talking about tag teams here, Big Swole and Serena Deeb, uh, Diamante and Ivelisse, and it would be Deeb and Swole that got the victory there. The baby, quote unquote, baby faces. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I mean, it was it was cool though that they had kind of time and to do the match, but. Yeah, it was um, not most exciting match uh, or anything, but it got four women wrestling on Dynamite, so that's good. And then at the end, we had Nyla Rose and Vicky doing an attack, which looked kind of weird when Vicky was getting the boots in. But anyway, (laughs) um, yeah, it's uh, it's progression at least. Uh, Tempest says, Alex, you have to sit Louis down and have a chat with him about his poor opinion on Cody versus Dustin. Your son disappoints us. Tempest, first of all, congratulations on retaining your Quizzlemania title and seeing out the year as champion. Secondly, I have tried. I don't know if you've been watching this show where I have, but my God, me and everyone else in the comments has tried to make Louis see that his opinion on that match is horrendous. Um, How he can't see the value in that and why it's so great and emotionally charged um it says more about him than anything else isn't that right steph you can't how can yeah. you not see great things in cody and dustin he needs to watch that match again and watch it like with his you know mind kind of totally tuned in of the story of these two brothers having this amazing blood feud match and then all the emotion and yeah come on larry if you can't feel that and then watch that match and say it's objectively great. I, I then my perception of how you view wrestling. <laughs> I don't know I, if I can take you seriously. Like I'm not sure who likes wrestling though. <laughs> not that much. Not that much. Um, yeah, we've tried Tempest. That's 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 the bottom line there for for that little guy. And speaking of disappointing, he disappoints me as well. Although I will tell you. You know, his Quizlemania performance I'm talking about here. He he actually blames it on the team round, Tempest. So I don't know if you want to shed some more light to that in the comments. But Louis was kind of like absolving himself of blame. And he would have won were it not for being dragged down by his teammates, he said. Just saying what the kids said. Um, but there you have it. Uh, let's talk about the main event. Kenny Omega, right? Joey Janela. Um, where, you know, the Kenny, Kenny Omega has got so much fanfare at the moment and so much attention and on his entrance alone yeah yeah exactly that and the thing is when i saw janella i was excited because obviously they had that kind of what i would call a quote-unquote AEW dark classic it's probably yeah. the most memorable dark match has ever been mm-hmm. um and it, oh yeah once again it was good but as you you've already alluded to it steph Death triangle and the bastard uh they had some things to say which kind of Took me in an unexpected direction. I did not expect them to be in the mix of Omega at this point. Yeah, it's funny because um, obviously Omega basically screwed Moxley out of the championship. But instead of going to a Moxley rematch or anything, there it's like all like the ghost of Kenny's tournament past is like coming back to get him because like first he has to face um, Joey Janela. And now Ray Phoenix. So it's an interesting way of like giving him good matches to kind of stall him um, until he gets back to Moxley. But 
this was this was a good dynamite match. I find it slightly confusing that they gave Janela so much yeah. against yeah. Omega. Um, and I kind of wish that, like, to maybe um, explain why Joey Janela would be able to get so much offense in against Omega. I wish they kind of talked up, like, that he had this amazing, crazy match on Saturday night at Triple Mania, which he did, like, absolute match of the year candidate on Saturday night. And now, you know, he was in there with Janela, so maybe he was a bit a bit broken or something from the weekend. But, yeah, yeah but... The match with Ray Phoenix, that's going to be good. And I just like these kind of, um, I don't know, it's it's as if all the guys are thinking of ways that they can, like, get to Kenny and, you know, try and, like, knock him down and just bringing up these little things. So God knows what they'll bring up next about him. But it's, that was good. And Pac cut a really good promo. And Don Callis was fantastic throughout the match doing commentary, like, just <laughs> live not on the headset, just on the mic for everyone. And then Kenny was also doing commentary while beating up Joey Janela. Yeah, I mean, no complaints from me. I liked it and I like the direct, you know, I'm not going to complain at Pac and Omega crossing paths at all. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and certainly the, the Death Triangle Collective, because all of them are incredibly talented. So you'd be mental <laughs> to have a problem with that. Uh, oh, Tempest says here, Wrestling, uh, looking forward to it, my friend. This is true. He calling out Tempest for Quizlemania next year. Need an all wrestling daily episode of Quizlemania. Alex versus Steph versus SB3 versus me for the title. Look at Vince. Ah, I'd be down. I'm just saying, yeah. I'd be down. I, I do um, fear slash respect Tempest's knowledge. Um, I'd need I need some rounds in my favour. But uh, there you go. I, I agree. What are you saying, Steph? I would do it for sure. But can we insert like a Jericholic round or something? Yeah, yeah. Let's give you something. Let's give you something. Um, no doubt about it. Let's, you know, let's, let's tie a bow on Dynamite. What did you think of the show overall? Because it's very hard to live up to the previous few weeks that yeah. they've had. To me, it just felt like one that kind of kept the wheel moving. Yeah, absolutely. It was not a newsworthy show, a headline-grabbing show. Um, though, you know, they made headlines on impact this week i guess by making mm. a match so it but it was a show where everything moved on to something like everything had its purpose we've set up some good matches to end off the year on so it's one of those shows that if you tuned in last week for all the exciting crazy stuff you'll hopefully stick around to say well this is just a solid show that we can expect at least this good a show every week let's talk nxt um because you know, you've heard Steph and I say before that uh, Dynamite has had the best show, but perhaps NXT had the best match of the week. We've said that a couple of times. And that argument could be made once again with Rhea Ripley and Tony Storm tearing it up, uh, you know, putting a good match in the main event. You also had a bit of a breakout performance, uh, you know, Tommaso Ciampa being the gatekeeper kind of that he is with Tyler Rust. Um, is he with Malcolm Bivens? I don't know. Um, a breakout performance for Tyler Rust, though, in NXT. It's uh, in a week of action. Those were the ones that really stood out. But the number one match, of course, was Kyle O'Reilly and Pete Dunne. I've said it a million times. Those two can't fail but have amazing matches. If they were going out of their way to be crap, they wouldn't be able to. They are so, so good together. And I think, Steph, I have to say it, it was the best match of the week again. 
best match of the week? Well, as in the night, sorry. Oh, night. Uh, I wouldn't put it above Kenny and, you know, in AAA. I'm just saying last night, I think it was the best match. Mm, Okay, I might give you it was the best match of last night. There's no shame in arguing for Carlo Riley and Pete Dunn. I'm surprised, to be honest, that Pete Dunn took the loss because when City's come back, they've, you know, they've rejected him very strongly and we've already had O'Reilly and Baller, but I don't have a problem with it. I, again, it just go. It's pretty much going back to what I just said about Pack and Omega. I'd be stupid to be like, "Oh, Riley and Baller, like, come on, <laughs> it's going to be great." Yeah. Isn't it? I wonder if Dunn and Baller maybe doesn't make sense because Dunn is in this group with Pat McAfee, and then if Dunn took the title, it might be kind of weird with mm. Pat kind of being the leader. Could have triple threaded it. Mm. Hmm. But mm, maybe there's something else in store for Pete. But Calavalli and Balor, like, they do have the very recent history that they can play off. So that does make sense for Balor to come back and face someone, um, you know, the person that helped get him, off, get him on the shelf. Mm. I'd actually very much like to see Kyle O'Reilly as champion. Um, mm-hmm. not, not only for the dynamic of, like, would it make Adam Cole jealous? Like, how would that dynamic work with him being... Yeah. The man in, in NXT and Undisputed Era. I'm not saying I want an Undisputed Era breakup because I don't, but I just think it would be interesting TV. Um, you could have Cole versus O'Reilly, which for anyone who has seen, uh, you know, well, they, they wrestled together with Wrestle Kingdom, I believe, and Ring of Honor and all that stuff. So, guys, that's something that we would want on a WWE platform. And, you know, they don't have to do that splitting up to do it. They could come together. I just think there's a lot of possibilities outside of, Carrion Cross, <laughs> like, because yeah. I, do you know what I mean? Like, and I'm, I'm not like hating on Carrion Cross, but like, it just feels like the whole thing is geared towards Carrion Cross will come back and take it when he wants it, and I don't really want that. No, I don't want that either. And I think when it comes to the undisputed era, um, with them being in NXT for so long, and it seems like this might be eternal, that really the next kind of logical step is to give the belt to one of them that's not Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly does deserve it, but. Carrying cross. I just don't feel it, Steph. I don't, I don't, I don't. To me, it's like a bad pantomime. That <laughs> you know, he's like, where's that fan? Where is it? Carrying <laughs> cross, pantomime villain. <laughs> oh no, he isn't. Oh yes, he is. <laughs> I was just about to make that joke. You beat me to it. Um, no, I, yeah, it's just one of them. Like, I, I, it's not. There's nothing wrong with Karrion Cross. Like, if, if, objectively speaking, he's a fine worker and all things like that. It's just, mm-hmm. I just don't buy the he could destroy anyone character. I don't, I don't know what it is. And I, I like Scarlet. Like, you know, I, I feel like her charisma is palpable, cool. But it's just, do I buy Karrion Cross running through some of these great performers on NXT? No, I don't. I just don't. No, because Karrion Cross is a big guy, but he's not big enough. He's not Lesnar big, is he? Like, no, you know. and he's not like he's not big enough in the wrestling sense to be someone like um, a Lesnar that can just destroy someone, or God, even like a Great Kali is so big that you you'd be by that he squashes someone. But it's like Karrion Cross. I'm like. Okay. I've had, I've had terrible memories of the great Carly and his awful footwork, but please but, continue. You know, Carrion Cross, 
I'm kind of like, okay, but what are you bringing to the table that's better than a, a highly skilled fighter like Kyle Riley, for example, mm. or Pete Dunne, or anyone? Um, like, yeah, even, like, even a Roddy Strong. I would watch that. Roddy. I would watch. He could back yeah. uh, break backs for days. I would love that. And I think you know now, uh, modern fans, we kind of know that. It's not the biggest guy that wins a fight. We know that from UFC and like how much skill actually means. Yeah, which makes kind of people like Karrion Cross like more more ridiculous. He just doesn't have anything to him that makes me think that oh gosh, this guy's unbeatable. It's more like you know, what? Well, yeah. I'll a lot, a lot of, <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people are saying in the comments that you know maybe he's. He's more of a main roster talent. Well, May- did I say last week that NXT went downhill once Karrion Cross came in because it made it main roster silliness? Yeah, well, you know, there you go. I mean, the, the, the thing is as well, if you take him up to the main roster, there's a lot of big superstars. And what, you're expecting him to run through the Strowmans, the McIntyres? Like, I think yeah. he'll, he'll hit a wall very quickly with the current character that he has. I yeah. do... I do like his entrance, um, but I feel like for a brand like NXT, you just Steph just made the point perfectly. I, I, it's about, you know, especially in those main event slots, we're talking Gargano, Ciampa, Cole, like, all of the, in the last few years, you have to be like, it's about supreme wrestling almost. Yeah. Like, that's what it is to be the NXT champion. I'm not buying the gimmick where it's just this guy steamrolling people and he's not having classic matches am i saying that too early because he hasn't had that much of a chance because of the injury maybe but that's just how i perceive it right now but it's even the presentation that they're giving him is does not fit nxt or what made nxt great books books setting on fire and stuff yeah but you have to you know cast your mind back to those the the glory days of nxt and and how it was just like, whoa, this is just straightforward wrestling and good storytelling done by WWE. We can't believe it. And this is why I said last week that Karrion Cross to me, represents the real downturn in NXT. Just bringing in someone like that um, with all these guys that are so great, such great workers. And then this guy comes in with an entrance. He may have some sort of magic and he puts books on fire and now... He's going to run through everyone. Um, you know, it's not great. Like, even I feel like I misjudged Damian Priest a little bit when he came in, and, and he's really adapted himself well to NXT much more than Karen yes. Cross. That's a very, very good point, I think. Because um, I'm, I'm someone who complained the same for Damian Priest, but then on kind of consecutive takeovers, I've been like, actually, wow, very good matches. And then he's grown on me exponentially mm-hmm. since then. I'm just talking about NXT. Uh, like I said, Tyler Rust had a really good, uh, solid outing against Champa. Champa picked up the victory, but he kind of made Rust a credible person in the process. You have to say that um, Champa is probably in that spot right now. 
but it's great that they could use that and make someone. And I really feel like they did a good job of that with Tyler Rush. Very interested to see where it goes for him moving forward. Um, and, you know, speaking of making people, they've tried to make Leon Ruff recently. He took the pin in the tag with Kushida and The Way yesterday. Um, I, if it leads to Kushida beating Gargano for the title, whatever, like, fine. Um, yeah. I would have liked Kushida to go of win. Yeah, me too. I want more for Kushida. Yes, I think Kushida is someone who NXT have underused for so long, and he really is like an ace in the hole that he, he could thrive on any promotion anywhere. I honestly believe that. Um, let's talk about, before we quickly move on, I'm not going to talk about Desmond Troy and Karrion Cross. Let's talk about Tony Storm and Rhea Ripley. These two, of course, are staff that you and I will know very well, have great chemistry and history here in NXT UK. I remember when Rhea Ripley became the first champion, I was convinced it was going to be Tony Storm. Um, yeah. And it was Rhea Ripley who actually became the first NXT UK champion. Ripley loses again. Uh, of course, Raquel Gonzalez plays her part here, and we think that's going to be, you know, something that they're leading towards. But Ripley losing again, Steph. Do you think it's okay if it's part of a wider story, or is it just kind no. of like, oh. no, no? I think that we've all realized that this wider Rhea Ripley story that was going to play out. No, yeah. <laughs> the answer is always no. Um, yeah, what a way to end 2020 for Rhea Ripley. Um, yeah, I you know, is she's someone that the main roster didn't even have a chance to mess her up. They managed to do it in NXT, yeah. um, a bit of main roster meddling. But uh, hopefully, she can reset herself in twenty twenty one. Honestly, what I would do is just um, put her in the rumble, and get her in the main roster, and trying to raise this whole thing and get her to kind of reinvent herself. To the character she was before the Charlotte thing happened. Give her, give her a Kane two thousand and one run in the Rumble. Like let her just boot loads of people out. Like she, she's bigger than most women anyway. You could believe it. Um, yeah. Let her have a solid run and then rebuild her. I, I just, she's so young. She's like twenty four. The talent is there. It, it, it's incredible. Like it's hard to screw it up, but they are. Yeah. <laughs> and then know? she's twenty four, and you have to. You have to just hope that this experience that she's had this year hasn't, you know, made her doubt herself or had had any negative effect on her. Because it must have, it must have all been hard for her. Even just like the the world events, you know, when they really built her up before we knew what was going to happen with Mania. To her, you know, I can't believe I'm going to have this big moment, and then she didn't even have the moment in the right way, and. You know, it's just been a terrible year um, for Rhea Ripley, but hopefully she bounces back next year. Yeah, on the flip side of that, Tony Storm is enormously talented, and I've felt like she's a megastar waiting to happen for WWE. She, again, any promotion you put her in, she will be a massive star. Her work in the ring is kind of undeniable, in my opinion. Um, so I guess she's moving in the right direction. Her versus Io Shirai is exciting to me on paper. So, you know, NXT have still got great matches in their back pocket. It just feels like. They're tripping over themselves a lot lately. Um, but as we said, they still have the quality, and that's shown this week with um, some of the matches that they had, be it the women and um, Pete Dunne and Carl O'Reilly. So just have to keep yeah, – they just need to find their spark again bad. They, they really do. And I hope around Royal Rumble season we'll find it. Let's get to the ultra chats that, that we haven't touched on tonight. And it is uh, 
Kunal3641. Hi. Uh, just a hypothetical question. How successful do you both think AEW would have been if there was no pandemic and NXT were not up against them? The most basic metric I can think of is ratings. Uh, I still think whatever they're doing, they're putting out is great. I think what they've put out thus far would have been even better with fans in attendance. Um, in fact, it probably would have been easier for them because they had to rearrange a lot of their booking at one point. Yeah. I know Tony, Tony Khan booked the uh, TNT title tournament like on the fly, basically. So I think, yeah, I, I've got total trust in what Tony Khan is doing. And I think that what they've managed to do this year, they, they are by far the best show that's been on TV this year, weekly wrestling show. SmackDown, only what they've done the past few months. You know, I, I would have SmackDown and Dynamite like that, but Dynamite's been doing it the whole year and SmackDown hasn't. Yeah, Steph wouldn't, but there you go. Um, so I think, I, I think it's great what they're doing. And as far as the pandemic goes, I think... They've navigated it about as well, if not better than anybody. And it's telling that WWE followed their suit in many ways with how they took the shows. They had people at ringside all of a sudden and stuff like that. Uh, AEW were the first people to kind of get some fans back in. I think they've navigated it the best. Yeah, absolutely. I think if uh, the pandemic hadn't happened, AEW would be crushing the ratings even more. We'd be breaking that one million. Um, absolutely. And if NXT didn't exist in the, on the Wednesday night, it'd be the same story. I think we'd be looking more towards um, what is AEW doing in comparison to Raw than in comparison to NXT. And NXT would be doing better. We've seen that. The stats prove that. Or when they've been on different nights, NXT have a higher number. And it doesn't really adversely affect AEW. So the only difference would be, you know, AEW still doing what they're doing, but NXT would be better off. That's pretty much the only thing I can take away from that. And maybe uh, their booking would be better too. Well, maybe. Yeah. Don't hold that breath of yours, Steph. Um, <laughs> Bo Hill, how you doing, brother? Uh, good show last night. Love what they're doing with Derby right now. Interested to see what they do with him and Sting and where they go with him and Team Taz. Hmm. Well, let me let Steph put her booking hat on. What do you think is the direction, Steph? Oh, it's really hard because um, I feel like Sting, like I'm not, I'm really not sure why he's here and this <laughs> is why I'm intrigued to watch and what his relationship is with Darby because it can't just be that Sting saw Darby on TV and was like, oh, he wears face paint too, I'll turn up and, and you know. Uh, so it feels like they have, some sort of unexplored connection where maybe Sting's trying to look out for him. But then that leaves Cody stuck in the middle because he kind of seems like, I don't know, it would be funny if if Sting just turned up at the end of all Cody's matches and Cody was like, oh my gosh, he's here for me. No, he's not here for you. Cody. He's not. <laughs> he's not here. Um, and then I love the Team Taz um no dynamic against against Darby and Cody, and then throwing Sting in is is kind of great. Like imagine Sting and Taz going at it on the mic; it'd be very, very interesting. And the thing with I don't know, like I guess the Teddy Long in me is like, oh, maybe this leads to like a six man, and maybe yeah. and if that is the way you're going to bring Sting back, it's not the worst way. You know what I mean? It kind of protects him having him in a multi man match like that. Yeah, but I also. 
there's a little part of me that just maybe doesn't trust it. That maybe thinks whose side is he on? Mm -hmm. You know, that has me wondering what his true purpose is. But if they're going to do a couple more weeks of Sting pointing a bat and Darby sitting in the stands, I will be so into that. (laughs) (laughs) Thinking more and more and more while Cody is in the ring like, what? Like, what's going on? (laughs) It works for me. Uh, Mike Jensen has come up with another super chat and he says, hope you're all well. I am Mike personally. Steph, are you? I am. Yes. Thank you. Great. For TLC, I would love to see an Oscar Shayna Swerve. Oscar's mystery partner is there the whole time. She tags in Shayna and they beat down Naya. Mike, <laughs> let me tell you something. I love that idea. I love that too. I love that idea. Just beat the crap out of Naya, the pair of them. Yeah, man, I'd be down for that. Um, also, Oscar and Shayna teaming together sounds badass as anything. And then you could have them split and face each other. It'd be great. That's a great idea, Mike Jensen. Get on creative. Go on. That's a really good idea. Uh, Shayna is my favorite WWE women's wrestler, and I always want more for her. And when I said I wanted more for her, it wasn't that I wanted her to team with Nia Jax. So now I'm in the position where I kind of always want them to win, but it's because I like Shayna. Um, not nice at all. So that would be a really great. That would be such a great swerve. If not, though, I hope Asuka's partners Io Shirai. I can tell you that it's not Mike Jensen's chat. As much as I would love that to happen, uh, I have told SB3 what I have been told is going to happen. Um, so maybe we'll see if it comes to fruition next week. But it is going to be exciting, mm-hmm. nonetheless. Uh, let's move along to Maddie, the hot Scott. Hey, Alex, nice hair. Come on now. <laughs> Come on, brother. Look at it. Look at that, Steph. You look very emo now. <laughs> no, I, uh, <laughs> I I was meant to get it cut today, and I fell asleep. <laughs> that's, that's literally what happened. Um, so it's going to have to wait till tomorrow at some point now. My God, it's so long. Get in there. Um, so I'm just going to finish the show like this. It's terrible, man. <laughs> Why not? Um, yeah, my hair is all over the gap right now. Anyway, hi. Uh, hey, Steph, as well. Hey. Um, hope you had a good day. Steph, well done on the Vincent Kennedy McMahon impression. Yes, I think <laughs> I think we all agree that Steph was the champion there. Um, here's a completely random question. What is your Mount Rushmore of WWE returns? Hmm, for me, it's Edge, Lesnar 2012, Rock 2011, any Undertaker, yes, a lot of those, and the Hardys. I mean, first of all, Matt, there's you've got five. Um, <laughs> the Mount Rushmore, to the best of my knowledge, is four. Um, yes, I, I mean, you, you've, you've picked great ones. I've said this before, I was there for both the Hardy Boys and for Edge, and they are up there with literally my favorite ever moments having watched wrestling. Um, Rocket 2011. Steph's not going to be shocked to learn that I liked it. Um, I mean, the, the returns is a hard one because, like, even when Rock returns to help Mick Foley against Evolution, that is one of my favourite ones. Um, but I think you're missing Triple H at Madison Square Garden in 2002. That has to be up there. The pop is unbelievable. Um, Edge, Hardy's Triple H and The Rock are the first four that come to mind, I think. Um, I, 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 I don't know. Steph, you got any others? Um, 
The Undertaker one, I'd say, was when he finally ditched American Badass and came back, Dead Man Undertaker. Be my favorite. Uh, Jericho in 2007, um, when he came back to save us again. That's another good one. And Sting returning on Dynamite a few weeks ago. Uh, yeah, no, to be fair, to be fair, the Sting one is great. Um, I actually, again, the, one of the only things WWE did right with Sting was the reveal against Rollins when like they, they pulled up the thing on Raw and he was just standing there and everyone was like, shit, that's actually Sting. Yeah, um, yeah there's been some great ones. There really has. Uh, good question. I like that. Very good stuff, mate. Uh, Kunal3641 is back and he says, after your son... Louis lost last night. I don't know why. Like, Louis would be lucky to have my genes, by the way. Let's, let's, you know, let's not say the, the apple from the tree and all that malarkey. Um, I think his punishment should be to do a live stream of Monday Night Raw for six months. Can't think of anything worse than that, but he has to learn. Uh, Canal, you're not wrong. That is a pretty hefty punishment. That's so harsh. I think you'd prefer hard labour in North Korea than that. Um, wow. Uh, no, Louis is... Um, in fairness to Louis, the one time we were on Quizlemania together, he did score higher than I. So I can't actually really have a go at him uh, too much. But he did—he definitely cost us when we were tag teaming it. He definitely did. Um, so, yeah, I think Louis, I don't know about punishments. He's, he's a young lad. You, don't, you need to nurture these prodigies. All right? You need to help them grow. That's my method of, of parenting. I think parenting Louis is still a weird concept to me. But nonetheless, let's get to a video of a hot chat, a hot chat, a hot take that we have received this week to wind down the show. And it's from Timothy. G'day, Alex and everyone at uh, Wrestling Daily. Um, got a hot take for you coming all the way from Melbourne, Australia. Um, loving your work, guys. Keep up the good work. Um, it's an amazing show. Um, I've got a hot take for you, and, and it's a little bit, uh, it's a little bit spicy. Um, I think that Shinsuke Nakamura's first match on NXT with Sami Zayn is uh, is overrated, um, and the reason for that is because um, if you take the the crowd out of this out of the scenario, um, it's no longer seen as one of the best NXT matches of all time. Um, I think if you put that match in a empty arena. Uh, stadium at the start of COVID, um, it doesn't hold up like it does today. It's a good match, um, but I don't think it's as great as everyone says it is because of the crowd. Thanks. Timothy, let me tell you, you started I... off great. You started off great, Tim. I was like, well, we've got a fan in Australia. Awesome. He likes the show. Awesome. And then you spat straight blasphemy. How can you say such a thing? That is a great match, in my opinion. Um, it's the best match Shinsuke Nakamura's had in WWE, by the way. And I would argue one of Sami Zayn's best since entering WWE. I actually really love the ladder match. But uh, I thought it was amazing. The electricity of the atmosphere definitely played a part. But the action and the story being told, the presentation of Nakamura, the buzz for him after that match, absolutely the match did its job. I... Um, a total 180 against that opinion, Steph. I don't know about you. Um, I don't feel as strongly as you do. Um, I think that Timothy is thinking um, about matches differently now, like we all are in COVID because we are seeing wrestling without a crowd. And that match, a lot of it was the crowd. <clears throat> and even And it was a great match in the ring too. 
but yeah. I think yeah, when, right. when you're judging matches, you you do add in the crowd and the atmosphere and everything as well, and you have to like see how to gauge it. And I could see someone not thinking that that is as great a just straightforward wrestling match. Like it's 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 not like Walter Ilya, you know, level of of stripped down wrestling match with no fans. So I can definitely see where he's coming from, and also. I think I'm maybe just a little bit like salty on it because how it was Shinsuke's greatest night in WWE and it was his first night and everything like went to hell after that. So as much as, you know, you were saying like it did the job of getting interest in Shinsuke and everything. I honestly think the job it was intended to do was to let all the people that watch Shinsuke in New Japan have one night of going, Oh my gosh. Shinsuke Nakamura's in WWE. This is amazing. Until they were then thoroughly disappointed for the, for the next couple of years. Nah, I can't. I can't. Steph, it's rare, but I can't agree on this one. I don't <laughs> think. I don't think the barometer of a great match is how it would have done without fans. Now, like, no, do you know what I mean? I'm not saying it, it is, but I do see where he's coming from. That mm-hmm. if you strip that back, it might not be as good. But my also another argument to that is why are the crowds so hot? Like the the performers have to play their role in keeping the crowd hot. Like, do you know what I mean? You, we've all been in wrestling crowds. That's so you're not gonna you can't just go wild for no reason. I to me, I felt like the action was cool. It was, it was a great showcase of both men's arsenal, and it, it was one of the best pure. I've got to say pure wrestling. I mean, and then I just realised there is a lot of pure great wrestling matches in NXT history. But to me, it is one of the best main events that I've seen on the takeover. I would stand by that. For me, my personal investment in it, and I wasn't someone who had seen loads of Nakamura. You know, I'm not a massive New Japan guy mm. apart from the massive events. I'd seen him wrestle before, but to mm. me, that was like my favourite Nakamura match thus far. And I was like, wow, like, I'm so excited for the possibilities. Admittedly, I also yeah. have... Yeah, I do have what you just said where I'm like, ah, that didn't work out. But um, at the time, I think, again, you know, if we're going to isolate it the way like he wants to isolate it, um, I still think it's a great match. I just think if you just watch it from start to finish now and you don't try too hard to think about why it might not be great, like, well, what? imagine there wasn't a crowd here. Or imagine Sami Zayn didn't have two arms. Like, you know, whatever. I think if you just watch it for what it is, it's good. It's very good. Yeah, no, it's a very good match. I just, I, I get it a little, a little bit to Timothy there, like, you know. I've seen people say in the comments, Steph, that now Timothy is rivaling you for the best accent. Um, I just wonder, <laughs> do do you have an Australian accent, Steph? In my impression list, no, yeah. I do not have a. It's not uh, one of my strongest either. Like, good day, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> mine, but yeah, mine just turned into good day, mate. Basically, now I feel I feel bad, Timothy. Feel free to send in your Irish accent impression or your English accent impression uh, of us. <laughs> Although I, what I will say for Timothy, he's right. I mean, we we asked for hot takes, and it was hot. He delivered. Oh, it was yeah. a very good one. It was very good, Tim. Thank you very much. And that is a you know, we're going to tie a bow on this week's. Uh, Wrestling Daily with Steph Chase. We've got through the Ultra Chats that you guys have been so kind to send to us. And of course, speaking of kind, Steph Chase has been just as kind of her time running down the Wednesday Night Wars, giving us all those great hot takes that she always does. Uh, Steph, you mentioned it earlier at the top of the show. You've been a busy girl this week. Tell the people what's coming up and where they can find it. 
Yeah, um, I released my interview with Eric Bischoff a couple of days ago. It's up on my YouTube channel. It's like 45 minutes long where we cover um, everything, including his thoughts on more recent things like AEW and Impact and Sting. Um, Young Bucks interview will be coming out next week. And in just under 90 minutes, I'm going to go live on my YouTube channel and talk even more about AEW. And I might even tell the story of what happened to me last night. Ah, that's a reason to tune in. Uh, until then, Sammy Callahan here says, thanks for wow. watching. <laughs> thanks for watching Wrestling Daily. And I will see you tomorrow with, uh, what day is it tomorrow? Friday? Louis Dangor at 8 p.m. <laughs> it is worth noting, what's our schedule next week? Steph will not yeah. be on Thursday because, of I course, that's Christmas Eve. Yeah. Yes. He'll be here on Wednesday. SB3 moves forward to Tuesday, and Louis will do the post show on Monday for um, TLC. So you'll get all three co hosts next week. We've got three shows. It's going to be the same the week after, um, but having all of the different hosts on the 30th being the Wednesday. So there you go, guys. You've got a bit of everything till then. But until then, thank you so much for joining us. Bye bye. Bye. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 